What's up, everybody? This is Kenzie from A Voice of Equus on Instagram. And this is Abby from Truly OTTB, and you're listening to the Cowgirl Conversations podcast. As the equestrian industry continues to evolve, more questions are being asked and more focus is being placed on the welfare of our equine athletes. We're sitting down to talk about this progression, hear from fellow equestrians, and discuss how to continue to better ourselves and our horses. Welcome back to the podcast. Super, super excited for you guys to hear this one. I, we always say that, but genuinely, <laughs> this was a really good one. I feel like this was probably the most informative. One of the most. I yeah, I think so too. I, I've said a few times that I feel like I learned a lot, but um, I mean, it's true this time too to be able to talk to people who have like. Um, information that I don't and yeah I feel like I learned a lot yeah for sure for sure I loved getting to talk to Aubrey um so we actually got to sit down with Aubrey from uh sustainably balanced equine on Instagram um she is a barefoot farrier as well as a body worker um and does a lot of like I don't know like woo stuff too which is really fun um loved that part (laughs) um but we're really excited and hopefully you love it she was so easy to talk to it was so nice yeah the conversation i feel like flowed really well um and that's always that's always great when that happens that's been happening so i don't Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying but yeah it was it was great (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so like always, if you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button and smash the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And as usual, if you want to stay connected with us outside of the podcast, you can find Kenzie at A Voice of Equus, and you can find me at Truly OTTB on Instagram. See you guys next week. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a really special guest. Um, We have Aubrey coming from um, Sustainably Balanced Equine, right? Yep. Yes. Awesome. Super excited to have her on. Um, Why don't you go ahead and start us off with introducing yourself to everybody and kind of what do you do? Yeah, so I'm Aubrey. My business is Sustainably Balanced Equine LLC, and I am what I consider to be a barefoot farrier in Queen Creek, Arizona. Um, I service a pretty wide radius out here, but recently I have started to like do more stuff online, which is super exciting and really fun for like the barefoot world. But um, kind of a little bit about me, I am a long-term crazy horse girl, like self-labeled crazy horse girl. Um, My family wasn't really into horses growing up, but I've always been just completely enamored by them. Like I'm sure many of your listeners are like, it's all for the love of the horse, but growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. I always just wanted to like work with horses. And eventually um, I had come into this horse. I purchased her in like 2019 um and she was barefoot and kind of like had like really weird social skills like not super handleable especially for the farrier a new person whatever um so I ended up hiring my now mentor but a barefoot trimmer out here who is known for being more gentle and patient with the horses and working with the ones that are a little bit like weird about new people or like being handled or have failure trauma or whatever um and he basically just ended up encouraging me to do it and I was like well if if he can do it then I can um so yeah I it took me a while before I finally accepted like that I really wanted to go into trimming and stuff but I ended up working at this barn um and I saw what the other farrier was doing and after like having 
brushed up on my knowledge on anatomy and stuff. I just knew the trim wasn't serving the horses. And I was like, okay, I guess this is it. Like I got uncomfortable enough to be like, I'm going to pursue this. I think I can make a really big difference for horses. And I just jumped in and never looked back. That's so cool. That's awesome that that just kind of like fell into place for you that you just found that so organically I think that's uh really interesting I've never heard of um like a a farrier or a trimmer just have it happen to them I feel like it's something that they uh seek yeah yeah I would say that like a lot of people are like okay I'm gonna go to farrier school and learn how to do it but literally my answer to my trimmer at the very beginning was like when he was like hey, do you want to start trimming? Like you can start following me around and stuff. And I was like, hell no. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if I can curse on your podcast, but that was my answer. And he thought it was so funny once I started like being like, oh, I think I'm actually kind of into this. He was like, what changed? And I was like, honestly, just the horses, like wanting to help them out. Yeah. What do you think? Where do you think that apprehension came from? Like, why were you hesitant? to do it I guess I think just because it's really physical like I didn't want like the physical aspects of it to affect me down the road which like at this point now in my business I've gone through a few injuries like gone through a car accident and stuff and I have come to the conclusion that if I take care of my body and also take care of my client horses that they'll take care of me so um I have actually started to practice body work on horses that have a more difficult time standing because there's usually like a physical reason why they can't, like if they're a thousand pounds in my hands or they're afraid to pick their leg up or like they can't wait one of their feet, obviously they're not going to be able to work with me. So if I tackle it from that end, it makes it a lot easier. That makes a lot of sense. That so much. That's really cool. So is that kind of why you went into the body work was just seeing the difficulty of the horses? Yeah, I think that was a really big spur into it. I've always been interested in equine body work because I've had issues with my own personal horses with lameness in the past. And I wish that I would have addressed it with their bodies first before trying corrective shoeing and stuff. Like knowing what I know now, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, but I've always been passionate about like the reciprocal relationship of like their body affects their feet and vice versa. And a lot of the times the, all the variables in the case of a barefoot rehab are super important, super crucial and affecting the hooves. So if I've gotten to a certain point in a rehab and I know that I can't change something, it's like super exciting to take that next step and see like, if I can relieve the musculoskeletal tension and then also change their feet by doing that. That is so cool. I, so I rehabbed quite a few thoroughbreds and what, what you're saying rings true. Like we always went at it from kind of both angles, kind of focusing on getting their body back to um, where they need to and I'm a whole like huge believer in less is more with them a lot of times um just kind of letting their body their bodies are like made to repair themselves so it's really exciting to see what happens once you start getting them um like just physically taken care of I know my guy is barefoot now um which is awesome so excited but it took a lot of body work to also fix the underlying lameness that he had that shoes just were band-aid yeah absolutely and a lot of the times too with off track thoroughbreds we see a lot of like NPA behind um and I've started to notice a correlation between issues in their lumbosacral joint which is really impacted by the racing and the NPA so it's like you can't like try and like fix their foot without fixing the problem in the spine because it's going to just keep crushing their heels under that makes sense for sure that makes a lot of sense and is really interesting as well actually but yeah it's super cool 
So I'm going to kind of a little bit of like my pet project recently <laughs> to just notice that type of thing. So what I'm going to go off script here a little bit, not script, but off the questions. What is there like a certain type of horse that you work with a lot? It, are you kind of all over the board? Um, honestly, I see a pretty wide variety, but like in my location, there's a lot of like quarter horses, paints and thoroughbreds, like especially off track thoroughbreds, because we do have a track out here and then people just get them super cheap off the track. Oh, interesting. Neat. Yeah. That's really cool. We're suckers for thoroughbreds, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever take one into rehab one, but I, I absolutely adore their personalities and their work, work ethic. And a lot of the times I think they're super pretty, like just nice to look at, like nice shapes. <laughs> yeah, they are really pretty. I don't know where this whole like stereotype came from that they're bad looking horses because they're, they're really not. They're so athletic and they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely biased, but. I love me a nice thoroughbred. Um, so let's go with, I'm going to kind of like mix it up, Abby. Go for it. <laughs> All of that, obviously you've been working with a lot of horses. Um, and obviously you approach horses in a similar way that Abby and I do. Otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, do you believe working with horses has influenced the way you interact with people? Oh, absolutely. Like a thousand percent. Like I have gone through like a really more recent in my life, like self-development path where I'm like looking internally at myself and realizing like how my thoughts create my reality and my relationships with horses. But that has been a spur for people as well. But like, I feel like overall, as I've worked with horses and tried to become a more present and mindful person, I've been able to kind of look at people and see them in a different light, see them with more empathy and realize like that there's more to life than just me and my own perspective and to also respect that in other people and respect their feelings too. Like I kind of grew up in a household where I was super invalidated all the time and being a very highly sensitive person that was like really traumatic for me so like being able to hold space for the horses has really helped me hold space for myself and other people love that I That's feel like beautiful <laughs> and I totally get that too <laughs> yeah I, I get that definitely it's it's crazy I used to say I loved horses and hated people. Um, but I, I still feel, say that, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely prefer horses, but I feel like it's harder to hate people as much now. Um, with what I've learned about self-awareness and empathy from the horses, it just makes it a little bit easier to I don't know, I guess be more of a people person, maybe a little bit. Yeah, little I, bit. I totally agree. Like same here. I have um gotten to this weird place where I can have empathy and understanding for people, but I still will never, ever be, um, I'll never be a people person. I'm definitely like always going to be an animal person. If I can choose to not be around a lot of people, I'll definitely always go that route for sure. But I'm, I'm glad you guys have found that. If you can bottle it and sell it, let me know. Cause I'll buy it. I'll be the first <laughs> customer. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I need you to stay exactly how you are because you are my voice of reason as far as like not <laughs> overdoing things so you can't you can't change uh, <laughs> I probably never will <laughs> no do you want to take the next question yeah let's go for it um so with all of that 
being said and uh, how the horses have shaped your life, what um, like recent or new belief, behavior or habit do you think has most improved your life? Oh, I'm super excited for this one. Let me like go back on my notes really quick. Um, Love I was, that. Like, <laughs> as I was like writing my answers, I was like, oh, this is so fun. Okay, so um, I think the new belief that's improved my life recently, it's not like new, but it's something that I've like kind of returned to multiple times in my life. And it's that our intention and our energy is very powerful. So our thoughts have way more power over our lives than we actually realize. And it's honestly huge in working with horses because that's what they read into. They don't like read into our verbal language. They don't know when we're speaking something. All they know is the feeling. So if we're feeling deeply like conflicted about something, they're going to feel that. And as I've worked on just like channeling my intention and channeling my energy, especially through um, craniosacral body work, I realized like, this is it. Like, this is the, the lesson that the universe wants us all to realize is like, it's all about our, our feeling and like producing, producing results through that. Absolutely. That's really powerful. (laughs) Everyone's going to roll their eyes at me, but like, wasn't Warwick Schiller talking about something like that recently or like a couple months ago? Was he? I, I haven't think kept he's up on his talking about that. <laughs> Sorry. That's like no tea, no shade, but like it's true. I feel like he's always talking about that. I think it's great. So that wasn't supposed to sound shady, but yeah, he's always talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we're um self-proclaimed Warwick Schiller nerds. Um, because he does a lot of like intentionality and stuff like that, which I really, really enjoy. But how did you, how did you get into that? Cause I don't hear a ton of people talking about it. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I don't really know exactly. <laughs> um, like since I've gotten into the self-development, especially I think is really what triggered it as like, I, started seeing a life coach in 2021 and that was like completely life-changing um and as I just like chased kind of the rabbit hole of like reading books that show up into my life for whatever reason like I have this thing where like if I need a book it will come to me (laughs) and they've all had these like common threads of like your energy is powerful your thoughts are powerful like you need to be you don't need to be but if you want to have a conscious life, a consciously happy and joyous life, you need to be like working on yourself all the time. Absolutely. Um, I feel like happiness uh, takes effort. People don't talk about that a lot, but being at peace and being happy take, it's, it's a um, intentional thing. Um, you have to, you have to choose it and you have to work on it. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I think people mistake the idea that like, you just become happy. Like it just, it's something that like happens to you. Um, that's something like I've personally had to work really hard at because I was a really (laughs) miserable (laughs) teenager. Um, and like, yeah, I had to work really hard for that, but I I noticed the harder I worked at consciously like looking at the day and like even if it wasn't something big like finding the things that I was grateful for and for me like most of the time that was my horses. Um but the change wasn't just in me, it was in my horses too. Like I had um I've always been a sucker for a rescue. So I had horses who have come from really hard situations. And as my attitude changed, so did theirs. So it was just cool to see that domino effect of like actually working to be happy because it's not just something that falls into your lap. Not at all. Um, so I feel like this 
How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for success? Yeah, so actually, um, interestingly enough, I got into the live coaching because I was in a real marriage at the point in time. Um, so I would say like, I, um, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought one second. So I ended up getting divorced to this person that relationship ended and I would honestly consider that to be one of like the biggest failures of my life but it was honestly what I needed at that point in time because I feel like I've been an intuitive person and I wouldn't have made that decision to marry that person if it wasn't the right thing to do so I like definitely grew and matured a lot as a person I had a lot of um, my own personal failures and mistakes but like the entire relationship failing was kind of like a huge springboard into my next phase of life, I feel like. Because like without it, I probably wouldn't have looked internally like this this soon in my life. I'm, I'm pretty young to be on like a quality um, journey. <laughs> all the people that I've like listened to and talked to and read, they're all like having like a midlife crisis when they reach this. <laughs> this like material this learning material so yeah I would definitely say that the divorce was like big like failure slash learning opportunity I, I feel that. like um self-development takes like a tower moment in life to um for you to reach that stage where you want to look inward I think everything has to fall apart in a really big way before you start to re-examine because then you're like well why you know and then that's when um or at least that's what I think or that's my uh interpretation of that anyway I think things like that are happen for a reason yeah I agree I think nothing obviously you're just you're not going to grow if you're comfortable. So I think like when your world comes crashing down, yeah, it's like, that's like your, your new start. You kind of have to figure out like who and what you're going to be. And a lot of times, like, I don't know, whenever I have a breakdown, I feel like, uh, I have to rely on my intuition. Either, otherwise, like I'm not going to get through it. So it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's a muscle. Yeah, definitely. And being able to like, look into your own personal mistakes and be like, okay, what did I do that led to this failure is really important too. like in that aspect of like, self-reflection and learning and growing and becoming better. It's definitely comfortable, like extremely painful at times, but you can definitely like transform it into something beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Um, piggybacking off of your question, Kenzie, um, on the flip side of that, what do you consider to be your greatest achievement? That one was tough for me. Like, I'm going to look back, get my notes again, because like my brain is like, um, Okay, so it's not really like an event. Um, looking back at my notes, it's just the fact that I'm a very determined person. So if I want something, I'm gonna like persist after it, even in the face of like extreme discouragement. Like my ex-husband was very, very about horses and like extremely to them. Like he was opposed to me at like spending money on them. That's a whole other thing. But like kind of like in the face of that like it just fueled my fire a little bit more so I feel like that's that's one of like the aspects of myself that I enjoy the most and it's that I know I'm gonna accomplish things just because I'm like so passionate and so fueled by that fire that's definitely um definitely an achievement being able to motivate um, yourself from within is I think something um, a lot of people struggle with so if if you're able 
I definitely think that's an achievement because I have trouble motivating myself on a daily basis. So I think um, I, I admire that. I really do. You sound like Abby a bit. I was like listening to that and I'm like, oh, goes after what she wants. That's an Abby quality. <laughs> That's funny that she was like saying that she doesn't have that. So maybe it's something that you could self-reflect on Abby. And I know like there's there's definitely a difference between like passion and motivation because there are some days I get up and I don't want to do what I feel my purpose is, but it's still something that I'm determined to keep working on. For sure. Yeah, that's, that's true. There are days, I mean, where I wake up to go do the horses and I'm like, damn, like <laughs> I really would rather not be awake and having to go do stuff right now, but you, you get up and you, uh, you do it anyway, uh, because of passion, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me every morning while I zombie out to the barn to feed my horses. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> at all yeah me either like it's so bad <laughs> I think <laughs> morning conversations is Abby and I sending each other 10 minute rant audios about how we're late for work <laughs> and I'm usually yeah I'm sure my clients I'm sure my clients are just used to me like it's like uh minus five or ten minutes when I give them a time because it's just like <laughs> I'm like self-diagnosed ADHD. So one of my symptoms is blindness and I don't really know like how long time actually is because it flows so differently. And I honestly think it's super funny, <laughs> um, but I am so grateful to my clients who are like super flexible with that because I know that time can be a really touchy subject for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So time is an uh, illusion. <laughs> Time, <laughs> it is. <laughs> There's never enough time in my day. I that's that my. <laughs> so okay, now I'm curious. So, do you like what what parts of Arizona are you servicing? Like, do you travel a lot? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I'm in like what they call the East Valley. So I'm like basically in the middle of the state more on the eastern side and my trim radius is about like 55 miles outside of where I live um okay. so the most driving I'll do is about like an hour and a half like anything longer than that and on the way back I get really sleepy like after like <laughs> going and trimming a bunch of horses so um that kind of limits me there but yeah I'll usually take anybody within a reasonable driving distance that's really cool so again sorry I'm just really curious because I have had really great experiences with barefoot trimmers and then also some like shady stuff happened so what does like what does that look like for you like when you're assessing I guess like the horses what are you looking for exactly yeah, so usually the first thing I'll do is look at how they're standing, like on each leg and as the whole horse as a whole, but also like see like if one leg is turning a certain way or whatever, or like how their weight is going because their weight influences the shape of their feet a lot. And then um, one thing I'm trying to be better about is watching the horses move before. I'm really good about watching them move after because obviously no one wants to lame a horse with hoof care. Like it's absolutely the worst feeling ever. Um, do not recommend. But I try and like just get a feel for like the animal as a whole. And then I will look at their feet individually. So I don't trim for their feet to match necessarily. I just want to trim for each hoof to be as optimally balanced as possible. Okay. I feel like that's the way it should be. That makes, um, that makes more sense than making all of the feet look symmetrical to each other when you should be making the foot uh I don't know making its job easier I guess I, I'm not a professional so I don't know uh words but that's that's the way that 
it's coming out of my brain, I guess. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think like by supporting each limb individually, then you'll support the whole horse because obviously horses are not symmetrical beings, neither are humans. So there's always going to be a natural kind of like asymmetry between each foot and each leg and each horse and whatever compensation patterns they have going on. So it's really important to consider that when I'm making changes. Um, actually, I was studying in my craniosacral textbook and it was talking about, he was talking about teeth, but I kind of related it to feet and he was talking about human teeth. So he says that a paper is like, I think he said 10 microns thick. I'd have to look back. Don't quote me on the number, but a paper, like a piece of paper is 10 microns thick and people can actually feel a difference in their teeth to 0 0.03 microns difference. So I'm like, okay, well, if the horses have like proprioceptors in their feet and stuff, if their feet are out of whack, they're going to be able to feel the smallest difference. So by keeping their hooves close to what their body needs that can keep them the most comfortable that makes so much sense that's crazy interesting um to think about too that that uh, that small of uh oh, sorry. gosh guys i have crazy brain fog today i'm sorry um but you know, whatever, that they can feel something that small is crazy. I think it's really interesting too, because, so I do like, you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but whatever. I do natural dentistry with my horses. Um, I know some people are going to cringe at that, but that's what I do. I found really awesome results through that. Um, and the girl who does them is as she's making these like micro adjustments in their jaw, she's kind of letting them show her like what needs to be fixed. Um, and I'm really excited to get Jess done because she has not seen Jess yet, but Rian knows like every single time, as soon as she starts working on him, he will position her exactly where he needs to be like adjusted. It is the coolest thing I've ever witnessed. Um, and by the time she's done, like he is just so content, like insanely content. Like you can just see like, even as posture changes, which is really cool. So I like that it makes sense because if they can feel it in their teeth, they can feel it in their hooves. Right. Yeah. And that's so incredible. She does that because that's something I've been on the receiving end of as well with trim clients. Like I had this one Mustang mare, like this was early on in my trimming career, but she, every time I did her right front, if I left her bars long, she would snatch it from me so fast. Like it took me like a couple of trims to like figure out what was going on. I was like, why is she pawing? Like, I know she's getting regular body work. This client was super awesome and willing to like implement things if I had suggestions and it turned out that I was leaving her bars too long and as soon as I got after them she stopped pawing like they're huh. so receptive if you let them like not receptive communicative if you let them tell you what's going on yeah Rian is very outspoken with that <laughs> he's he's something else I feel like Gizmo is too Gizmo's got really big opinions and um he wants everybody to know them so yeah I don't ever have to worry about missing anything with him he is not a quiet communicator he is loud and yeah I'll I can never miss anything with him it's not like he's not hard to read at all um, which in some ways I'm grateful for because um, <laughs> it, it makes my job easier. It makes it easier to listen, um, I think, but he doesn't, he doesn't let anything slide. I feel like that can be a blessing and a curse, like, because yeah. <laughs> those horses can end up being the ones that are more aggressive, like when they have something wrong, 
instead of like being like more docile about it or like those horses are the ones that are like they'll just like nail you right in the leg when you've done something they don't like and then you go back to being best friends right after once they've like voiced their opinion (laughs) he um I think he's learned with me at least or maybe picked up on the fact that I'm more um attentive but he doesn't tend to get so loud with me anymore he used to (laughs) but now it's sometimes he'll just like side eye me and I'm like okay I got it (laughs) just it doesn't need to escalate I I got it I hear you okay um so I think we figured each other out we found a found a good balance he he doesn't have to scream at me anymore he just tell me nicely and I'll listen beautiful Rian magical. <laughs> Rian is the exact opposite. He's like very, very patient with me and like very gentle and will like tell me something like multiple times. And if I don't pick it up, then he'll kind of like be a little bit more assertive. But he's very like motherly. It's weird. Like that boy is just, I mean, it's not weird. It's precious. He's like the most patient sweet little man he's not little I call him a little man he's not little he's huge (laughs) um but yeah he's like the exact opposite he's just like okay like she's a little stupid like it's okay (laughs) (laughs) not to like bring astrology into it but he's a Pisces I think yeah yeah um Gizmo's an Aries so (laughs) (laughs) that says anything um Gizmo's a little fiery but I think it's I don't know either of my mares like birth dates so I wouldn't be able to figure that out but if I'm sure if I read them and picked one out like could find some relatable qualities (laughs) okay wait so so tell us about your mares um so I've got two mares one's a BLM Mustang she's like 11 or 12 um and she is from Utah and then um I have another I kind of call her my pity project (laughs) um she's not pitiful but she has really bad confirmation in her front legs um so she's super splay footed um the person I got her from said that she had duck feet (laughs) because they just look so like they're so turned out but she's honestly such a sweetheart I don't know a lot about her but I bought her kind of out of pity to see if I could help her feet out but she's just become like the sweetest little horse so I think eventually she'll probably be my kid's horse like for my children because she adores them no that's so cute that's so cute I love that oh that's really cool so do you obviously you work on them do you do like their body work and stuff no so I I actually work with a Masterson practitioner. So we trade, I trim her gelding and then she works on my mares. Um, okay. But she's actually oh, become super cool. like one of my best friends <laughs> because we just like nerd out over horses together. Um, <laughs> and she's been one of the biggest like encouragements in my bodywork journey. And it's always like telling me like, yeah, you should do it. And like, appreciating all my findings and stuff even though I'm sure she's like yeah I already know that like you don't need to tell me (laughs) so yeah you gotta love love an encouraging friend that's that's honestly the best I don't yeah I honestly don't know how I went so long without nerding out with Abby like I am a big giant nerd about many many things nobody knows it (laughs) <laughs> until okay. I freak out about something but yeah definitely um so let's let me ask you this metaphorically speaking and you can use a quote whatever best gets your point across if you had a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it you know this message is going to go out to the world what would you put and why? That one was also kind of tough because I had a lot of different 
answers. <laughs> um, but you I think what I would us. want it to say is the answers are all inside of you. Um, and like circling back to like talking about intuition and stuff. Um, I've been taught my entire life, like most other women to seek external advice and validation about literally every single thing in my entire life, <laughs> especially looks like being a woman. But um, I feel like uh, yeah, my I'm into that. <laughs> intuition like atrophied because of that. So like I was always so anxious and on high alert because I didn't know how to get the answers that I needed. Like I was always turning to other people and not feeling right about their advice or like whatever they were telling me to do. And until I turned, turned my thoughts internal and started seeking that like deep wisdom inside of myself, like I just didn't feel right about like everything in the, everything in the world or like all of the answers that I was looking for. So like, I would hope that by putting that out into a world on this metaphorical billboard that it would encourage people to start realizing like we have the answers inside of us. Like the creator has given us all a sense of deep inner knowing that we all have access to. And it's not like one person or a few people and it's not special. I mean, it is special, but it's like, oh, everyone's special, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just looking deeper and realizing like, that you're more powerful than you think you are is really important in my opinion. I love that so much. And I think um, intuition and that sort of thing is um, like Kenzie said earlier, a muscle and you have to use it to be able to like tap into it more. Um, I call it my spidey senses all the time but I will like text her sometimes and be like oh my god my spidey senses today like and then I have to sit with them and it took me many years of that to be able to discern what was anxiety and what was like that weird all-knowing feeling um but it's it's true we we have the answers that we seek. We just don't always know that to begin with. I think it's really interesting. And we've talked about this a couple of times, I think just you and I, um, but Aubrey brought up, you know, like looking for people's opinions and external validation and stuff like that. And I think that's something that a lot of people kind of miss in the horse world too, um, is a lot of our horses are like programmed to not think for themselves and they kind of turn into these like little robots, um, and they shut down if they have to think for themselves. And it's something that Rian and I have been working on a lot. Um, and I feel like we've kind of like grown in that aspect together because like when I first started kind of taking a little bit of a step back and being like, you know, just focusing a lot on connection with him, he would kind of freak out if I wasn't telling him what to do the entire time that I was doing something with him. Like if I would just go out and sit with him like he was constantly looking for like what is she gonna ask me to do um and there would even be times where like at by his stall like if I have the barn gate open it kind of touches his um one of his walls and I have I'll keep like halters on it and stuff like that and he literally brought his halter into the stall one day and just kind of like threw it down in front of me like he just was trying so hard to figure out like what was going on and he just couldn't fathom that we were just hanging out and not doing anything um and so like kind of working on his self-confidence and his ability to like 
think through situations and make his own decisions about things and actually like letting him make mistakes and not getting punished for it. Um, I feel like that has also kind of allowed me to have more grace for myself as far as like figuring things out and not automatically going to every single person in my life and being like, what should I do? <laughs> like, what should I do? Um, but I don't know. I just, I feel like that's really interesting. That's something that he's more so than any other horse that I've been, um, with. He struggles with that. Like he's always trying to figure out what do you want me to do? Um, which obviously in some ways is like, great. Like he's trying to tune in, but, um, I think, I don't know. It's almost like he's addicted to people telling him what to do, which is kind of sad. So I think that happens to people though, too. Like you, I mean, that's what this whole uh, conversation is about, but you rely on a direction from everyone else in your and I think it's it's just uh, an insecurity and like a, a lack of confidence um to like seeking like direction from somebody or something other than yourself is just I I see it as insecurity and I think um if you can get comfortable with listening to yourself and trusting yourself and relying on yourself that kind of melts away um and things get a lot less anxiety inducing at least that has been the case for me yeah yeah I think I think you're spot on it's definitely I feel like he's become more like his anxiety my anxiety has definitely lessened kind of in getting that sort of figured out not quite but you know we're working on it progress <laughs> yeah, progress over perfection so um I think this is your question it is my question um I was thinking about this earlier when um I was saying that I I really admired um your drive and that sort of thing what is something though that you value in a person? Um, I definitely think I value when someone is able to say they don't know everything instead of like, like having experience in a field and like having like say more knowledge than the average lay person kind of tends to make certain people think that they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> which they don't so I really value that in someone who is like I'm an expert in this subject and the question that you're asking me is a little bit out of my depth so I'm going to either research that or refer you to someone else who can say that like I honestly prefer that over someone who thinks that they know everything because obviously we're all humans and it's impossible to know every single little thing like we are not computers and I don't think we're meant to be that way I think it's by divine design that we need to be able to learn and specialize and then also learn from others who specialize in like rely on their experience as well and like build really cool communities like where you all have your own thing and then you can help everyone else out <laughs> sure yeah I um yeah, people, people who can't admit that they're wrong or that they don't know something. I think asking or having the ability to ask for help when needed is one of the greatest strengths you can have as a person um, because that can be really scary to do. But you, this is going to sound so corny coming from me, um, but you we we get further together than we do on our own like when you can yeah I don't losing my words still today wow but yeah yeah I think it's we say this all the time but I think there's something really cool about um at least like the the more recent change of just like people being more open and willing to like share information with others and also you know with that comes like 
TikTok and Instagram trainers. Love those. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely something to be said about people kind of like free sharing information and being like, Hey, this is what my strong suit is. Um, and being willing to like help people in that regards. Which I guess would kind of lead to my next question. And I guess kind of like to wrap this up, but you mentioned that you were doing online things online courses I've seen your post recently about that can you tell us about that yeah so I actually wrote a course last year so I got rear-ended on my way back from a client that put me out of work for a couple months last year like at the end of summer so I decided I was like well I mean I'm obviously not going to be trimming for forever like there's a very um short career expectancy for fair years just because your body has limits so I was like well what else can I do like that helps people and helps horses but also helps me keep my business going and support myself and my horse habit you know (laughs) as all horse girls have to do um (laughs) so I put together a course on um hoof assessment so it's not a course to teach to trim but I felt it was important to put something out there that helps people see maybe what their farrier is telling them when they say there's something going on in their horse's feet or recognize that the trim or shoeing job or whatever hoof care they're receiving is not supporting the horse anymore. So I have that available. I released it back in February and I'm hoping to try and kind of build a little community around it of people who are able to just see that and I'm also working on developing something for posture as well so posture is a huge deal on feet and I don't know if I'm going to add it to that course like and offer it all together or do something separate but I do feel like they're interlinked so that's my my online part and I'm also I've been drawing again recently um and posting them on my Instagram which is something I never thought I would do but I grew up like just doodling horses all the time. So it's been fun to like start drawing again and use it as a educational tool for myself and others. So, yeah. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed seeing those. It, it just makes it easier to understand like what's going on. I think it's fantastic. I also totally get the drawing horses thing. All of my homework I ever turned in had horse heads in the margins of the paper. Um, and I still do it at work. So <laughs> old habits die hard. <laughs> They're so inspiring. Like, how could you not look at a horse and be like, oh, those are pretty shapes. I want to recreate them. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's how I feel. That's how I feel too. So how is the, how is the course set up? Is it like you kind of do the subscription and then you have access to the whole thing? Is it written video? It's it's a one-time payment. It's through a website called Thinkific, um, which is like an online um, platform that allows you to create courses. At this point, it's just text and photos. And then there are also PDF downloads that I um, hand created myself, like hand wrote. I didn't draw on them, but um so it's basically a combination of like my opinions and expertise on why a hoof does what it does and also how to see why it does that or like see when it does that and then also comes with a Facebook community like a Facebook group which I'm in the process of adding um case studies to because I have a few different horses that I think are really really good examples of like watching a hoof change and watching the body change so that's my more recent project of adding to so that's really cool I'm gonna have to check that out what just so everyone knows how much is the one-time payment yeah it's um $200 and at the beginning I ran a sale I might be running a sale again uh, in the future if I start adding the posture stuff so I would keep an eye out for that too amazing Amazing. Love that. That's really exciting. Yeah, that's super yeah, it was fun. Really fun. Interesting. It was like a huge learning curve. <laughs> I think, yeah, like I said, 
sharing information. I think it's so important. I'm gonna have totally to look into mean, that. The too. more I can put out, the more I can put out, the more horses I can help. So it's like, why not like share my information? And I hope by adding the community and stuff that I like kind of like delivering a lot of value for people because there's also that like kind of self-doubt aspect I think with especially when it comes to our own, our own horses like realizing like oh our horses aren't as perfect as we think they are <laughs> or like someone told me in the past like when you look at a horse for a long time like everything becomes furniture so it's like you stop seeing it or you stop realizing like that they're changing because it's almost like it reminds me of when you go on vacation and then you come back and you're like oh my gosh you got fat <laughs> even though they were fat the whole time you just needed a break from looking at them so I, I was hoping by having a community like especially a judgment-free community where it's like supportive that people can start seeing that without like beating themselves up about it because that's not going to be helpful in horse feel or become better because you're just going to get in your own way and self-sabotage yeah well I love that I am definitely gonna be checking that out I feel like that's something I need to add to my arsenal because yeah (laughs) me too yeah yeah I don't know I feel like you can't say that you care about like knowing what's going on with your horse and then not take the opportunity not try and know <laughs> yeah exactly right. like well, until you know yeah. um amazing so obviously you have your instagram um that's uh sustainably balanced equine do you have any other platforms that they can find you on or do you just primarily do the um, instagram? i do have a facebook page um that one is sustainably balanced equine hoof care so that one's for like my physical business where i interact with like in-person clients mostly and then I have a TikTok and that one is sustainably uh, sustainably balanced EQ because equine didn't fit in their their <laughs> username thing. Um so I've been trying to be more active on my TikTok recently. Um I feel like I've had like also a huge learning curve with that because I was more afraid to kind of put my face and my voice out there. But as I've like grown in confidence, it's actually been really fun to share so that's so cool Abby doesn't like TikTok that's okay I don't like it either but I like sharing on it (laughs) I like literally there's so many good things that I want to show her and I can't I love to hate it I love to hate it I I don't watch um people send me TikToks all the time and I don't watch any of them and I never will so if anybody is listening and thinking let me send Abby that TikTok don't send it because I'm not gonna watch it (laughs) but you know I think it's great if people want to use it that's great but I I honestly I have no good reason for it I just (laughs) don't it is a massive waste of time (laughs) huge waste of time for so sure. Instagram and anything else so I don't feel like I can use that as my basis that would seem a little hypocritical <laughs> but um yeah I don't I don't know I I don't know why I, I hate it but I just uh, I don't know I just do there there's no reason there's I have no logic zero okay it's just one of like the quirks that we enjoy picking on so <laughs> yeah I got plenty of them. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for spending a chunk of your evening. I don't know if it's evening there for you. It's evening. Um, Early evening. (laughs) Okay, nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We so appreciate it. It was really great talking to you. It's awesome getting to Abby and Kenzie. So yeah, guys, make sure you check out um, her Instagram. Facebook group if you're in the Arizona area and TikTok and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. What's up guys? Kenzie here. Um 
so after talking with Aubrey, she reached out and wanted me to correct something quickly that was mentioned in the podcast. Um, so when we were talking about the, you know, um, size of like a sheet of paper and how sensitive the horse's feet and teeth can be, um, this is what we were talking about. And these are the facts that she wanted me to go ahead and put in. Um, I think there was a number that was mixed up, so she just wanted me to correct that. So, um, a sheet of writing paper is 100 microns thick. The healer's challenge is thus to sense, listen to, and finally interpret a very discreet movement. 40 microns may seem like very little, but it's by no means imperceptible. After the fitment of a new dental crown or filling, patients are asked to bite down on specially formulated carbon paper designed to establish any unwanted prematurity of contact. The thinnest of these papers is just three microns thick. The more sensitive patients can clearly discern a three micron imperfection, and if it is left uncorrected, it can be extremely distracting to the balance of the whole cranium. So when we were just talking about how these smallest changes in their teeth, in our teeth, in their feet, it's all connected. Um, But she did just want me to go ahead and give you the correct numbers as well as just context of everything. So that is what this is. I hope you all have a fantastic week and we'll see you next week.